Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. All right, welcome back into the Mark Cox Morning Show. You, know, you find out all sorts of interesting things when you bring up old stories on the radio. I was saying before we went to the break that my father-in-law was a city police officer many, many years ago, uh, back in the 60s. He told me they used to be offered a bounty if they found undocumented people living in the city and they turned them over to the fed the feds. And a friend just texted me in the break and told me that they were still offered those bounties up until the mid 90s. But many agencies refused to allow the officers to take them. Hmm. Um, So this was a policy up until the mid 90s. I don't see why we couldn't reinstitute it again. Maybe not be politically correct, but I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> quite honest. Hey, glad you're back here with us. Um, we have quite an honored guest here in the studio. How about old Fred Bottenheimer over there, I'm ladies and gentlemen? Just pointing out, uh, Fred, welcome in. Oh, and thank you very congratulations. much. Congratulations. Thank you. It's an honor, and it's an honor to be here on your show. Hi, Mark. Hi. Hey, Carl. Yeah. Hey, Kim. Yeah, good. Thank you. So, so the St. Louis uh, Hall of Fame, right? Broadcasting Hall of Fame. St. Louis Media Hall of Fame. That's that's congratulations. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um very honored by the, by the you know the the awarding of of going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and being recognized for forty years of uh, work here in this market is that right? Yeah, for, uh, more than forty years. I started at KMOX in 1982. As soon wow. as I graduated from Mizzou, okay, and I've been here ever since. I think what's cool too is uh, obviously you're being honored for your work, but I think everyone we've talked to about this has said how kind of a person you are. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it, I it, didn't. I just want to be well, clear. Mark, on that. Mark had negative things to say about you, but if you factor out we Mark, didn't talk to Rear everybody neither. else had really yeah. fantastic things to say about you, and I think that when you have a, a career that you've had but someone can also say that he's just a really really solid guy oh well thank thank you very much kim yeah it was a 99-1 vote so i guess oh, you were the Mark one was vote the one. So yeah. saying, you know yeah. no, no. Uh, <laughs> i will to, to give reardon credit he did point out that that you were 90 percent the reason for the success of his show and then he corrected that to 99 <laughs> so i think i'm just going in because i put up with mark i think that's what it that is. could mark be reardon. it hey whatever yeah. it takes right? do i get one for putting up with mark cox um do another 38 Years. In a few so years, years. I have to go a little longer. <laughs> That's right. Six months doesn't count. You're saying? Oh, Imagine. No. I think with Mark Cox, it counts. <laughs> I've been aging. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Mark. It's like in dog years. Right? Yeah, that's right. Just stay here for seven years. You're right. You'll and, be covered. And you know, when um, Ethan <laughs> mentioned on air, Fred Bottenheimer, um, <laughs> you know, he just apologized to me as I was coming in. And I said, no apologies needed. That's how a lot of people know me now because of Kenny Wallace mispronouncing my name. How about old Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? There you go. So I willingly accept that name. Um, and it's it's just kind of a cool thing. We play those drops all the time. Maybe people lose perspective on them, but Wallace was guest hosting the Reardon show yeah, when that happened. Yeah, he correct? was filling in on KMOX, guest hosting the show. And <laughs> it was his first time ever hosting a show. So when he came in studio, um, I... On, you know, downloaded so much information on him, told him so many things he had to know that when he mispronounced my name, I never really corrected him because I figured you got enough to know. Yeah. And then he yeah. just kept calling me the wrong name until someone else said, you know, his name isn't Bottenheimer, it's Bottomer. 
And he's like, why didn't you ever tell me, Fred? And I said, I didn't want to mess, you know, with your mind. You had enough to think about. Well, after like the 10th time of messing it up, now it's just awkward. To, like, actually, for the last three years, you've been saying my name incorrectly because well. my last name gets butchered all the time. And I'm like, it's fine. It was probably uh, five times in one afternoon before he got corrected. But, yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool. I yeah. mean, he's a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah, no kidding. Well, congratulations, oh, well, my friend. Well, thank you very much. It's Absolutely. quite an honor. I'm really uh, happy to hear it. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're 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 happy for you. That's I'm glad they they're they're paying attention. Hey, and sure. great interview yeah. today with Eric Burleson. That sounded really oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was always always good to get uh, the congressman on here. He's usually pretty. Uh, he's going to be in town anyway for for that event tomorrow. Which, by the way, I'm going to I'm going to post some details up on the Facebook page on that Missouri Freedom Caucus event. It is open to the public, but. Uh, there's like a, a requirement for a donation to get in the door because it's partially a fundraiser as well. So I'll post that information up on the Facebook page. There's RSVP information on there. If you want to go, you just have to buy your way in. Basically, it's not not expensive. It's like 50 bucks or something. They, but they want a donation for people who are attending. So just thought I'd point that out. Fred, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks you for bet. asking me. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping in. All right. Time for us to uh, get to the shortlist, Carl, please. The Mark Cox Shortlist. Places like Harvard have been captured by a militant left ideology. It's not about academic excellence like universities used to be. Yeah, true. Uh, I, I, Ron DeSantis, you can't argue with that. Maybe what happened with uh, President Gay at Harvard just blows open uh, th this um, image they built around the country that this is not a these universities are not just completely ideologically left. Now you can see it in real time. There is this sort of open war on black progress, black history. Of course, MSNBC wants you to believe the only reason she was fired is because of the color of her skin and her gender, believe it or not. Do you condemn white supremacy and white nationalism? I mean, what this kind who are you with? Which, which, Washington, it's Washington Post. All right. So potato, potato. OK. Vivek Ramaswamy for White House spokesperson under the new Trump administration. I, he would absolutely slice them and dice them. There's no doubt about it. There could be any any number of reasons why um, crime statistics can be affected. Yeah, that is a, a, a police officer for the city of St. Louis, uh, Charles Wall, who was on talking about crime stats. And, of course, uh, the mainstream media has been reporting for a couple days now that crime stats have dropped precipitously in the city of St. Louis, like 20 percent, mm -hmm. like the murders are down 20 percent. Yeah, Why? from like, what, 200 to about 150 or so? Yeah, it seems like a pretty dramatic drop. Now, you know, things got higher around COVID because people were just locked up and angry locked up and angry and hadn't didn't have as much to do. Um, I was willing to give Gabe Gore the new circuit attorney who we had on the other day, I was willing to give him some credit for that because let's face it, when there are consequences, and I ask him that question, I'm like, when there are con if there are no consequences for crime, the criminals take full advantage of that. So there's no doubt that if his office is now processing warrants mm -hmm. and locking people up based on the recommendation of the police and the warrants, and then following that up with prosecutioning and sending them to the jail. They're not out there doing as many recurring crimes. I mean, I could certainly see that having an impact on those crime numbers. Yeah, I know that he had mentioned when I asked him about his relationship with police, because we all know that was not a great relationship under Kim Gardner's 
uh, leadership or lack right. thereof. I'd be curious. He said it's great. You know, we've met. We're going to continue to meet. It's been it's really we've been building back that relationship. I would be curious to hear from St. Louis police. Do you feel that? You know, do you agree with what he's saying, that the relationship has gotten substantially better? I, I hope I trust it, that it has. It has, according to what my friends have told me who, who work in the city. The other thing is they used to have to to go to Kim Gardner with a with a crime. Mm-hmm. They had to call and make an appointment. They they had covid protocols in place in that office up to the very end of her reign. Yeah. So you couldn't just walk in and drop things off. You had to make an appointment. Somebody would meet you at the door. They would hand them the application for warrant. At which point, apparently, if Gabe Gore's numbers are correct, they basically just walked in and stuck it in a drawer uh, and never looked at it again. There were nearly 7,000 applications pending warrant that were just ignored by the incompetent Kim Gardner. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember at Channel 4, and I've said this before, but you talk to so many families who say, why aren't police doing anything? They're not, they're mm-hmm. not taking action. Well, mm-hmm. police probably did take action, but Kim Gardner's office did not. And they're blaming it on police. And that's so frustrating for these families who are saying nothing is being done. Well, yeah, you're right. Nothing yeah. is being done, but not on behalf of police officers. The very people she got elected exactly. to represent and the ones who elected her it, were the ones that were hurt the thank most Thank you. Th- yes. th- and that's the issue. Th- thank you. That's my point. <laughs> they don't understand they are elected the person who was neglecting to, to do anything with maybe their, their son or daughter's murder or whatever crime it was they were the victim Unless of. your constituency is just criminal, uh, you're hurting the people that were voting for you. Yep. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right. So we're going to talk to Jane Duker at the bottom of the hour. She's got some issues with how the, the city produces those crime stats. And, and I don't think she's convinced that what the numbers we're hearing are real. I'm going to talk to her about that about 8.35. Shannon Bream, Fox News Sunday is up next. Stay tuned. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The fifth point in this brief, point five, Roman numeral five, is he didn't engage in insurrection. It's not number one. And the reason is it's because his arguments are very, very weak. Get up, baby. Get up. There's only one Shannon. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. Shannon Bream joining us this morning and a happy new year to you. Shannon, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. That sound bite you heard, I don't know if you recognize the voice or not. That was George Conway, who, of course, is a, oh. a Kellyanne's ex, I think. Yes. Longtime Trump hater. And he went through the brief that the Trump folks filed with the Supreme Court. And his argument is that they've got weak arguments here uh, about why he shouldn't, uh, you know, shouldn't be kicked off the ballot in Colorado. Uh, what's your take on how quickly the court might take action on this? Well, my goodness. So there was another group that's also appealing this Colorado decision that filed a few days ago. So they've already kind of gotten this thing started. The Supreme Court gave the opposing side, I think until January 29th, to file their response to that petition. So the court, listen, for them, that's quick. Normally, to to get through the vagaries of the Supreme Court takes months, if not years. 
it looks like they're looking at doing something within weeks on this, which for them would be lightning speed. We also got this release from the Colorado Secretary of State yesterday basically saying, absent some intervention in literally the next day, January 5th, she certifies the names on the ballots for those primaries, and Trump's name will be there. So, I mean, some would say, well, is this whole thing going to be a moot point? But in that brief yesterday or in that filing yesterday, Trump's team argues you got to settle this question because it's going to be used. What happened in Colorado is a template across the country. Look at what Maine's already done. So even if it doesn't address the Colorado ballot, I mean, most of us think the Supreme Court is going to get involved with this. Yeah. Yeah. I I ran a bite from Shanna Bellows the other day, the secretary of state. Uh, up in Maine, mm-hmm. who who even went even further uh, after she banned him from the ballot and she claimed that voter ID laws are rooted in white supremacy. Yes. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to play it. No, I, I don't have the I don't okay. have the soundbite, but I, I heard. But I heard yes, say she's, that. Yeah. Right. And she's made these statements about the Electoral College is sort of a relic of white supremacy and that voter ID laws are white supremacy. I mean, she's talked a lot about how the system is set up to disenfranchise people. But what Trump's team is arguing is that's actually what the judiciary is doing or the secretary of state is doing. If you tell someone that you're taking um, the leading contender for one of the major major parties off the ticket through judicial fiat or through administrative fiat, their argument is you're potentially disenfranchising millions of people who may want to vote for that person. 74 million of them say, you know, they did last time. And is that the position we want to put state officials in? I mean, Trump's team argues this is not a state decision to be made. um, And they're confident. They're feeling good that the Supreme Court will agree with them. Shannon, this is Kim. I mean, let's be real. Trump has not been charged or convicted of this. So what stops anyone, any state from saying, hey, Mm -hmm. uh, Biden, we're going to do the same to you. We're going to find something and, and, and make sure that your name is taken off the ballot or anyone for that matter. Right. And I think that you make such a good point. I think that is one of the reasons that will draw the Supreme Court to getting involved in making a decision on the merits in this case, because it can be abused by anyone, um, any party, any side against any candidate, potentially. Um, you know, Trump's team argues in this filing yesterday, like you said, not even charged, much less convicted on an insurrection. Uh, the court defined and convicted the former president on insurrection. But they note that when the 14th Amendment was passed, where these cases are based, the idea of insurrection was, I think their quote was, actually taking up arms in a war against the United States. So they argue there's nothing about this that actually applies to the former president. Um, and that, right, if you allow courts to make their own definitions and kind of try a person, um, be judge and jury before the case is ever actually happened, those charges never happened, um, it's potentially bad news for anybody across the political spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Shannon Bream, our guest right now from Fox News Sunday. And, you know, do, do you do, does anybody read the end of year remarks by John Roberts to the Supreme Court? <laughs> Did you look at it by chance? Yes, of course we have to. Um, I'm not going to lie and say I read every syllable of it. But, yes, we want to know. I mean, the, the chief justice usually has a theme. And this year he was very cautionary about the use of A.I., in the legal world and moving forward. Um, and that was sort of his theme this year, saying we need to have humility about this and take it slow, but recognizing it's got the ability to blow up many portions of society as we now know them. So what does that mean? Does that mean attorneys go to chat GPT and say, write me a legal argument for X? Oh, I mean, gosh. is that what the concern is? 
Well, yeah, I think that he he is worried about all potentially all kinds of fronts, um, laws being drafted, briefs being drafted, um, people taking shortcuts. I yeah. mean, he says that AI is not going to replace judges. He feels confident about that. But there are a lot of other places in the legal world where AI may be used and not to the best ends. Wow. I think a lot of people might need to be nervous that AI could replace them in their mm-hmm. jobs, not just here in the legal realm. Exactly. Um, When you look at automation um, and you look at where we really need creativity and the human touch, um, there are a lot of places that can be automated. And that potentially is a, a, you know, a a world changing event for employment, if not managed correctly. Not going to automate Fox News Sunday. Who do you have on this week? I hope not. We've got the lead investigator, or excuse me, one of the lead negotiators on this whole border deal and funding and everything else. Senator uh, James Langford is going to be with us to talk about where they are. You know, he's behind closed doors with Senator Chris Murphy, Senator um, Kirsten Sinema. Are they inching forward? They claim they're making progress, um, but he will stop by Sunday to tell us exactly where they are at that point. As you know, we now have these looming deadlines for running out of government money again on January 19th and February 2nd. Yep, it's coming quickly, isn't it? Shannon, thank you. Have a great day. You too. See you Sunday. Absolutely. Fox News Sunday, of course, we air it right here on 97.1 at 4 p.m. Central. 97.1 FM Talk. You can stay tuned right here. Coming up, Jane Duker on why she has a question or two about these St. Louis crime stats dropping by 20% last year. We'll be right back. There were 200 murders in 2022. However, in 2023, there were 158. That is a 21% drop. Shootings also dropped. There were 550 in 2023. That is a 24% drop from 2022 when 722 shootings were reported in the city. Crime data also revealing a 23% drop in shooting victims. There were 820 in 2022 and 631 in 2023. Wow, what a drop. Those crime stats, man, that's shocking. The media took those numbers and ran with them, but are they accurate? That's a good question. And Attorney Jane Duker uh, joining us here this morning. Jane, thanks for giving me some time. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You asked a very good question. (laughs) Are they? I mean, I don't know. I reached out to some friends of mine who are are officers in the city. They, They claim that sometimes the... The, the classification for a particular crime in the city doesn't match up with the same classification in the uniform crime report for the FBI, so it doesn't always get reported for that reason, not that they're withholding anything. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, first of all, um, they are withholding data. That's undisputed. So they, they give data, crime data, like granular, like, you know, where you can go in and you can find the date, the time, the location, the crime, you know, uh, an incident. Um, they they are withholding that data from the public, and they have been since the beginning of 2021. So that's undisputed. Media reporters have been asking for requests to provide the data that, by the way, used to be provided by the city of St. Louis. I mean, yes. they used to be the gold standard in providing the data so people could analyze Crime trends, which is an important piece in figuring out how to solve the city's most important problem, which is crime. So it's undisputed that they are not releasing any of that data to the public or to the media. They do give specialized reports to um, cronies, like for people like, for example, Wash U is studying a program the mayor likes, so cure violence. So they get special access to data, but not the public. The mayor gets a special report on crime. 
that isn't shared with anyone. And, um, you know, and the chief gets certain reports in certain ways that he wants. But as far as providing the data to the public, that's not happening. And they have no timeline as to when that might resume. So, yes, it does give people pause as to whether the data is accurate. Well, and the other, um, the other problem is, is that even though the media has sunshine law, some of that information that they haven't gotten, you get reports like the one we heard on Channel 4 yesterday, right? I mean, I played that oh. sound, and it makes it there, – there was no question anywhere in the reporting that I watched anyway with two or, or four about whether or not those were the real numbers or not. Correct, because nobody can audit them. So the Post-Dispatch, um, I give them credit on this one, um, they did a, a, a full report and a um, an editorial which indicated this is baloney. They're withholding crime data, which makes their reports of this drastic increase really a fraud. Because if you can't put out the supporting data for your assertions, I don't even understand why the media would even report them. Hmm. Jane, this is Kim. What, what, why would they want to withhold all the data? Because I don't think it says what they think it says. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I talk to police officers every day. I represent them. And, you know, um, you know, you don't get to see amended reports anymore to make sure that they fit into a certain category. Um, do I think homicides are slightly down from the absolute record all high? Absolutely. But to indicate that somehow and you take that, you know, a decrease from the record all time high doesn't mean that the murder rate is in a good place. It just means that it's, you know, 20 percent down from, you know, you know, the record high. Um, so they're they're picking and choosing data to make it look great. So, and that's a problem. And my officers say, yes, no, crime is much worse. And by the uh, way, people have stopped reporting. Yeah. So sorry about that. So so my question is, for example, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch has reporters, in this case, uh, um, Dana Reek is, seems to be the reporter yes. here, who wrote mm-hmm. a story just like the Channel 4 story saying there was yes. a major drop in homicides yep. and other reported crimes through 2023. Meanwhile, their editorial board has an article yes. calling those same numbers into question. Did the two not Correct. talk to each other? Apparently not, because not only was there an editorial, but there was a full research piece done by one of their reporters that said that called out the whole fraud on the data. So, of course, I took to Twitter and said, do you read your own paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, um, I don't know I, how you can trust any of the data. I mean, because they come out and they won't tell anyone. And so the reason is that they are they are playing games with the data. They are. I'm sorry. Every cop I know tells me that. Um, and the problem is the police officer can't go in there and check because they track everything that anybody researches on a St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department computer. So it's not like a whistleblower can get in there and say, hey, there's an issue here. Now, remember, the city of St. Louis was um, caught by um, a, a former Jeremy Kohler, who's now at Pu- uh, Publica. He was at the Post-Dispatch formerly. He caught him um, Duke in the murder stat number. So that number was, was false. They got caught two other times just stopping reporting. So they reported this big crime drop only to find out that they had stopped reporting for like the last, you know, three months of the year. Yeah. Now, the state is supposed to, you know, uh, would, uh, impose consequences for bad reporting, and that's not happened. So, Jane, would here's a question. Would this change 
if there was state control of the St. Louis PD again and and it wasn't being dabbled with constantly by the administration? No question. And this is reason 1,986 why the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department needs to go back to a citizen board control because there is no way this would be happening. You know, the city paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to have this computer fix, you know, to allow this data to be mined that every other reputable jurisdiction in the country provides because they have to by state and federal law. Um, Of course, I think a board control of this police department would stop the politicizing of uh, crime data. I guess this falls on the chief, right? Because it's under his leadership. And Mark, we've talked about how that shooting uh, a year ago, the, the, there's still so many questions that haven't been oh, answered. Oh, it's the, the, like the Gateway the video. Academy, right? right? Thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, oh, they, no, well, they don't. Re- they don't. Re- they refuse to produce uh, body cam footage because you know body cam footage, most of the time, almost all the time, um, exonerates cops. So that's why the body cam footage hasn't been released in the CBAP shooting because it might look make cops look heroic. It hasn't been produced in the um, the car accident into the bar downtown because, you know, it is likely to exonerate the cops. I mean, th- this is a problem, and it's the politicizing. And look, the buck stops with the mayor. The mayor tells the police, that's what local control is. The mayor tells the chief what to do. Okay, the chief diverts money from patrol into these, you know, uh, violence prevention programs. Um, which, by the way, the data should be able to show whether those programs are actually working. Right. But we can't have the data to determine whether these alternatives to policing are working. Yeah, somebody also told me that some of the Prop P money was used to buy a report writing system that is, was a, I don't know if it was on sale or it was a bargain, but apparently it's not as good as the one the county and some other local agencies use. And that could also have some some impact on these numbers, the way things can and can't be reported in the system. Right. Well, and, and that's what the city is claiming their whole problem is, is, oh, this new system yeah. um, is preventing for. us from <laughs> releasing. the Yeah, right. And they even paid the vendor to be able to develop a system to report to the public. They paid for it, but yet it, it's, quote, not working. I know you were saying that you think that there's been a drop in homicides, but not as much as they're portraying in these latest statistics. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you attribute the drop to if you know, even if it's a smaller drop? Um, I think it's happening nationally because we were so high, um, you know, at 263. I mean, that that is I mean, we were more dangerous than, you know, Mexico. OK, so that's how bad it was. Do I think that one. Um, that's happening across the country, that things have calmed down since COVID and the lockdowns and everything. Yes, I, I think that is possible. But it also can be attributable to the fact that we have some of the best health care in the country and people are getting shot and they're living. Um, wow. We have the most specialized, you know, uh, trauma care in our area because of all the, the crime and the shootings. And so but I will tell you this, the idea that the shootings have decreased that much. I mean, literally no one believes that. I mean, no one believes that shootings have gone down. Well, and yeah. you know that's a problem. So just remember when they when they code a you know the break-ins of twenty-five cars at a hotel or a public event as one that incident. goes into crime stats as one. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, it really is, um, and it really it that that's a clear indication of of how some of these crimes are underreported for sure. Um, no question, Jane. Thank you for enlightening us us on that. Okay. I appreciate it. 
All right. Have a great day, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Jane Duker there. Good to, good to get her on this morning. And she does do a lot of work uh, with the police officers uh, in the city and, and probably gets a lot of firsthand information on how things are not reported so properly. I want to make sure I understand correctly, and I know we have to go to break, but would it be that the mayor, she thinks Mayor Jones is essentially saying we're not releasing this video? That, that the chief well, that could they, want to and that the mayor's like, yeah, it's not oh, happening. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're politi- political appointees. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not calling his ethics into into question here, but that's who he works for. I mean, if your boss came down and instructed you not to do something, mm-hmm. that's what she's suggesting is going on well, here just because of, it's for PR reasons. The right? fact that he won't he won't release it and you've what tried to get him on the show, I think. Many times. And he, and he won't. Now it makes you even wonder even more what, what the heck's going on. Yeah, uh, many, many times. So anyway. All right. Well, let's get to a quick break here. We're going to be back in just a minute. Yeah. If you became president, no. would you pardon him? No. 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 And, no. And, and, and the, the reason is because one of the things as a governor I, I issued pardons and one of the things you have to do is look at the person the person has to accept responsibility for what they did do you think donald trump will ever accept no. responsibility no. for anything he did it'd be really the easiest pardon decision i would ever have to make as president yeah uh isn't that uh the most ridiculous thing that you've ever heard you need to get your head out of your butt Focus on the real issue. Chris Christie playing to his crowd there, which is, of course, the viewers on The View. Joy Behar. He's trying to convince her to vote for him over Donald Trump. How long until you think Chris Christie <laughs> drops out? Well, he didn't make the debate. No, you did not make neither nor did, did Vivek. Neither did Vivek. Yeah. Who would, in their right mind, donate money to Chris Christie? Like, yeah. he's got to be floundering, so to speak. I bet you he's out either after Iowa or after New Hampshire. Yeah, I would guess. Even Chris Sununu, by the way, the 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 never Trumper governor up in New Hampshire, has endorsed Nikki Haley and is now admitting that she's going to come in second. Like for a while there, he was claiming she was going to win New Hampshire. Now he's admitting she's going to come in a close second. Are is his words on it? So who's donating to Nikki Haley? I mean, obviously the Koch brothers and yeah. a few other people have gone all in on Nikki Haley. Shouldn't have a chance. Um, and at least in Iowa, New Hampshire, she doesn't have a chance. She might have a chance in South Carolina, but she was not doing all that well before. Um, I believe, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the sitting governor of South Carolina had endorsed uh, Senator Scott. Yeah, before. did not endorse Nikki Haley. He didn't endorse Nikki mm-hmm. Haley, so I don't know how well she does there uh, after all. Uh, I thought I'd point that out. By the way, Fox, I I probably should have mentioned this with Shannon earlier. They're going to have a town hall with Donald Trump next Wednesday, the same night and opposite the CNN town hall or or debate with Mm -hmm. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Which Carl and I were talking during a commercial break that it sounds like CNN's doing separate town halls tonight, right, with Haley and and, uh, DeSantis, DeSantis, and then they're having the debate next week. Anything to make an advertising dollar because you might as well just turn the lights off and go home over there. Yeah. The only Honestly. thing, I, the, the, the part that makes me want to watch it is the fact that it's CNN and to see how their questions are structured. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I saw this story and hadn't had a chance to get to it, uh, but you sent this to me earlier. There's a U- UN charity uh, that that is called, uh, it's cho- chosen its first UK champion for women. To, to represent females of the United Kingdom. 
You want to guess what she is? She's a man. No. She is. She is. Uh, they, they, it's part of their draw line campaign, and they ha- they want to dismantle gender stereotypes. So to represent women from the U.K., they selected this, and even the people on the BBC couldn't quite understand it. Maya, why do you think uh, this U.N. charity has chosen uh, this transgender woman to represent British women? Why do you think they've done that? Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. I think they're trolling British women. They're saying there are 33 million women in Britain and none of them are good enough for this job. So let's get a man who dresses up as a sexual fantasy of a woman. I think it's an insult. (laughs) Apparently, this guy was fired by L'Oreal, by the way, back in 2017 for racist comments. Yeah. And then they rehired him three years later with the whole BLM movement. The full controversy. And they don't care. Mm-hmm. And he also, uh, she, he, she, uh, it ranted lengthily in 2017, saying that all white people are racist. Um, so they've, they've. Congratulations, clearly... ladies. That's who represents <laughs> you in the UK. Way to go. We've made and it. The British aren't very happy about it either. It's rubbish. Talk about it with our tea and crumpets. We are not amused. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. That does it for us on this Thursday. Kill Meat is up next. And then the Annie Fry show, the Mark Reardon show with that Fred Bottenheimer uh, is going to be on uh, at about three o'clock. We'll see you back tomorrow morning at five. How about old Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.